Hey everyone, it's Nicola here, and I'm here today with Maddie, who has so kindly offered to share her story about mental health, depression, and her experience with an eating disorder. So thank you so much, Maddie, for being here and taking the time to talk to me today. Just a trigger warning, as in today's discussion, we will be covering the topics of eating disorders, mental health, and depression. All right, so um, just a little bit about me. I'm Maddie, and I guess I have a lived experience of depression and anxiety, um, and recently would be an eating disorder. Um, I got diagnosed last year, 2020, with um, anorexia nervosa. Um, and before that, I suffered from depression and anxiety for really over like 10 years. Um, been, you know, in and out of hospital and um, therapy since they all began. Um, and I guess I've, yeah, come on here today to talk more about eating disorders. But yeah, we probably will go into other things. <laughs> so Maddie, what do you think is the biggest influence on diet culture? I would definitely have to say probably social media, definitely, in the recent years. Um, personally, I found that I had surrounded myself with a lot of fitness and health and it was just sort of really hard to sort through the dialogue that they were all producing mm -hmm. because it was just so overwhelming to, I guess, a young girl not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life or wanted to be. And I just recently moved to Sydney. So when I was sort of in the heart of my eating disorder, I would say social media really created a big impact on that. I don't know whether you heard yesterday, but on Hack. Oh, the TikTok? Were, yeah, they yeah. were talking about all of mm -hmm. how, like, yeah, this fitness community and what people perceive as health these days is a lot. Calorie more, counting. Yeah, and it's yeah. a lot more influenced by influencers and really sure. they're not at all qualified to be making those claims and it's, no. and it's quite scary because I guess that's what young people are seeing these days. And it's everywhere too. Yeah, and if you're not following other things, if you're just following what the algorithm is catering for, that's mm -hmm. all you're going to see. Yep. So you're not creating another sort of world for yourself. You're very much, I guess, uh, how I would put it was my eating disorder was sort of surrounding me and so everything else was just tying into what that was saying. Like yep. you're not good enough, you're not what these people are, you need to be fitter, you need to be skinnier. You need Constantly to be, reminded. Yeah, and so... Yeah, that was definitely probably the main thing I saw would be an influence on diet culture. Um, I guess I already said that, but the health and fitness industry, mm -hmm. I guess education in a way because if you're not educated on what a healthy diet is or what an um, – like to the next degree what diet culture is, yeah. then you don't really see how it could be wrong or yeah. what is disordered about it. You just believe what you see. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I guess I had quite an influence from my parents, um, my mum and my dad, just my dad, I guess, um, grew up in an area where it was quite heavy on weight loss um, and, like, doing Weight Watchers and going. Mm -hmm. and Jenny doing, Craig. Yeah, Jenny <laughs> Craig. It's crazy how many, I guess, diets I saw around me. A lot of, like, older women it was just, like, a normal thing to be having you know, a skinny version or having a salad mm -hmm. instead of what my dad was eating. Like, yeah. it was crazy to see the difference between the mums and the dads. Yeah. 
huge thing. Yeah, um, and then I guess we all sort of have this, um, which would be internalised fat phobia, which is sort of like what I've had to address in myself mm -hmm. a lot with, like, recovery. I didn't realise how much, like, you sort of judge people just because of their weight and yep. think that that's associated with being lazy or being unhealthy. unhealthy, yeah. And it's crazy how that morphed, I guess, what I thought I should be doing and in a way, I was the unhealthy one, not mm -hmm. them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was definitely, I guess, what diet culture is fostering as well. Um, and then last, I would say, would be money. Yeah. Money is major, I guess, in terms of everything about diet culture, diets, everything they sell is coming back because they want to sell it. Yeah. You know, that's income for them. So they're getting money for yeah. it. Yeah. Especially those shakes and everything. Yeah. Like. And when I guess TikTok and Instagram, you know Appetite. they really don't care probably how much that impacts someone because they're not seeing it. All they're seeing is the money in their back, mm -hmm. you know. Hundred percent. Do you think eating disorders affect girls more than boys and why or why not? Well, I find this hard because I guess in my experience, it's yes and no. Like when I was in hospital, um, there were so many more girls. Like I didn't have a boy in hospital, in, inpatient. Um, giving background, that's what yeah. I went to when I was at my lowest. Um, but in terms of like negative body image, that can affect everyone really. Mm -hmm. um, everyone has a body, so you... you don't have to have an eating disorder or to be skinny to struggle with that mm -hmm. um, or to struggle with having diet culture affect you. Um, I think it's more prevalent in women because we um, recognise skinny as being the stereotypical sign of an eating disorder or lack of nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, but whereas boys, I think the ideal body tends to be leaning towards like muscularity yeah, and like being okay. big and bulky so mm -hmm. like there's other end of the spectrums and I think being skinny is more recognized to have an eating disorder in this stereotypical mm -hmm. way but then there's so much more nowadays leaning towards like the fit lean person yeah which is dangerous because it's like almost seen as healthy and muscular but, but not yeah, healthy but it's unrealistic as mm -hmm. well like a lot of the people right before, like, bodybuilders, especially right before they go on stage, it's like when they're the most unhealthy, like, they're craving food. Like, they are basically got an eating disorder at yeah. that stage. Like, mm -hmm. even if they don't fall into the grips of it and it takes over, there's that aspect of signs of an eating disorder, like the symptoms of and it. And the focus on their body. Yeah, exactly. focus. Yeah, so I definitely think it affects boys as well as girls. But right now, in my... I guess world I see more girls so how would you describe feeling at your lowest well I've experienced several lows in my life um, I'd say most of which have ended up with thoughts of suicide um, being admitted into hospital due to acting on those thoughts um, overall my lowest mentally I would say was when I was at my lowest weight which mm. may surprise some people because yeah. Um, a lot of the time I was praised, like, mm -hmm. when I was in the grips of my anorexia, I was praised as being healthy, but in fact I was 
probably at the most dangerous stage of my life and this is like how a low can be in combination I guess with anorexia and suicidality um I got to the stage where my whole life was consumed by food and exercise and it was affecting like every aspect of my life um I didn't see a way out so had to become more and more like I guess I'd become more and more depressed but this along with um like getting told I was looking great and (laughs) fit it really affected me mentally because like the eating disorder basically takes over you in a sense that it tells you what you want to hear like you'll be like well people are telling me I look great people I must be doing the right thing yeah exactly and so like that in combination with having a history of anxiety and depression, I just felt like I was spiraling out of control and I didn't know how to get out of it because I was like, this is my world now. Like, mm-hmm. I all your this focus. image, you know. Yeah. All I do is go to the gym and count my calories and, you know, do all the things that I think I should be doing to be healthy mm-hmm. and because I wasn't surrounding myself by anybody else besides that because Tony is in the Navy. Yeah. So – that means he goes away for like, you know, months at a time and months at a time would mean me being isolated and alone and I did make efforts to go out and meet friends but it wasn't like the support network I had in Perth. Yeah. Like it was definitely a sort of artificial support network. So this is when you're living in Sydney? Yeah, definitely is when it started. Um, I didn't get diagnosed until I moved back to Perth because I literally – it was very, very complicated, but mm-hmm. eating disorders are really hard to diagnose in the way that a lot of people, like, don't, I guess, seek help when yeah. they're in the grips of their eating disorder. They don't realise almost. Yeah, whereas depression and anxiety, you always almost want to get help yeah. for it, whereas, like, eating disorders sometimes are very secretive and mm-hmm. very um, unrecognisable sometimes, especially if you don't have like anorexia, there's so many other eating disorders like bulimia, like binge eating disorder, Ausbed, which is like otherwise specified eating disorder, atypical anorexia, which is when you don't have a low body weight. Wow. So like – There's so many. There is. And I feel like, you know, people, if they don't fit into the quintessential sickness Mm -hmm. that they think an eating disorder is, then they might not – think that they deserve help or Or that they've even got it yeah Yeah. exactly and so I guess I was privileged in the way to have had experience with other (laughs) privileges probably a bad (laughs) word to use but um I had experience with other mental illnesses so I knew the signs I guess in myself to be able to go this isn't right I feel wrong Mm -hmm. this is when I'm you know looking unhealthy Mm -hmm. like I didn't really have when I looked in the mirror a sense of I look great like I'm not going to change I knew that I looked unhealthy but I was just so stuck in my routine Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to stop doing that like it was more of a control thing for me okay so yeah that's that's scary as well it is because if you like take away someone's coping strategy Mm -hmm. like that's what anorexia was to me it was a way of coping with being alone, like I create a routine for myself mm-hmm. where I'd go to the gym and I'd, you know, eat my certain food and, like, that was just something reliable in my life. Yeah. 
Um, and then if you go into therapy or someone suggests taking that away and they don't give you something else mm -hmm. to do with that, you go back to the point of like being where you were before the yeah. anorexia came along and it's not really healing it. Yeah. Um, so that was probably the hardest thing, I guess, about seeking out therapy was I knew that I had to change, but it's like this voice inside your head is like, no, you don't have to change. No. What you're doing is fine and, like, you just sort of convince yourself otherwise. So what are the things that helped you the most during this time? Uh, say probably, yeah, definitely seeking therapy would be up there. But um, I created each time, I guess, out of therapy a either by myself or with a health professional, a mental health care plan or some form of care plan that was sort of if I was starting to feel out of control in my mental states, I could sort of go back to have a look at and read and pick out something that could help me. Like main ones for me were speaking to a friend or going for a walk, listening to music hugging someone or mm -hmm. like a pet even. Yeah, pets are so good. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be good. Um, but, yeah, that's what I'd suggest first and foremost before you, like, even before you go to therapy, like, it's never – I feel like people think that you have to go to therapy when it's at a crisis, mm -hmm. whereas okay. I really think – you should go way before that. Like, I agree. It should be a normal thing for everybody to go and see someone. Honestly, anyone to talk to. It doesn't matter if you're at the lowest or not even there yet. Yeah. But it's so worth just talking to someone. Exactly, because you just need someone who's unbiased to your mm -hmm. situation that you can just open up to. Sometimes people just need a vent about yeah. stuff, <laughs> you know, about work. Maybe they had a shitty day or, like, they just want some help with something else, like, the therapist doesn't need to do sort of a clean-up of your life. Yeah. You can just talk to them as if there's a friend. Yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely suggest going sort of proactively instead of reactively to your situation. Mm -hmm. um, and having a good support network that you trust. So I have a good friendship. <laughs> um, but also, like, um, not putting too much expectation on those people. So... Knowing their limits, I guess, mm -hmm. because everyone has their own personal issues and they might not understand what you need as well. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're relying on them to be able to, like, pick up the pieces for you or, like, fix you, then it's probably time to go and get extra help mm -hmm. as well. Um, said, I guess I've learned over the years that, like, yeah, not to rely too much or heavily on people because sometimes then you, if they don't meet your expectations, you feel let down. Yeah. So for people listening, what is the best way to support someone struggling with mental health? Well, I feel like this can be very personal because like, over the years, like it's really changed from what I needed for certain times of my life. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the most important thing when you're, Speaking to someone that you might recognise is struggling is asking them first and foremost, like, are you okay? Like, I guess there's that's the reason why we have are you okay yeah. day and stuff like that, just starting that conversation. Um, but then also starting to see how more individualised 
their issues are. So you might mention, oh, I've noticed changes in your behaviour or like some, maybe something specific for them. Um, give them time to sort of like give something back. Like if yeah. they're not feeling like talking, it's probably not good to push it. Yeah. Um, but then if they do feel like opening up, just be, you know, prepared maybe for them to be a bit hostile if you like, especially like eating disorders, um, they can be quite secretive, like I said. Um, so More defensive about yeah. it. Yeah. So it's like their habit, like they think what they're doing is fine and what they're doing is right and you coming in and taking that away from them might be really hard for them to process or mm-hmm. go through. So sometimes just being open about that you're there for them, that like if they're struggling, that, you know, to come to you and you'll be a listening mm-hmm. ear, not really fixing it as such. That's not really, I guess, your role. Mm-hmm. If they need really intense help, if they're at the stage of being probably medically compromised, which would be if you're underweight or you've been, you know, purging or mm-hmm. what have you, um, then you really need to probably go through different people to try and organise them getting some help, maybe hospitalisation or something like that. Um, it's quite difficult, especially if you don't want to upset the person. Yeah. But sometimes, literally, they might be too far gone into their eating disorder to be able to realise how severe it is. Right. And so, yeah, there's sometimes you've got to break that trust. If step in and get yeah, them help. If, yeah, pretty much. So I guess it's, yeah, recognising the signs when it is a bit, like, too late for that person to be able to seek their own help right. and realising they might need to be guided yeah, into direction. doing it. So, um, yeah, just having that conversation with them is really helpful. Some things that you shouldn't say or you should avoid saying to someone who is struggling with an eating disorder? Um, I think the most helpful thing would be to avoid topics, like say you're going out with them for dinner, um, probably not talking about anything to do with your weight or weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably find a lot of people, this is just, I guess, instinct or because you're just used to diet culture in your world, but labelling foods as good and bad, mm-hmm. like going out and having, you know, a burger and being like, oh, I can't have that because it feels like guilty or that's Or oh, I need to go to the gym after Yeah, this. exactly. I, that's another thing, not talking about, like, your exercise or your weight regime mm-hmm. or, like, workout regime. Like, yes, you know, saying things can just come up, but, like, I guess just distinguishing between whether it's getting to a point of about too much or going on about it. Like, mm-hmm. you might be like, oh, I'm going for, like, what are you doing in the day? I'm going for a walk later. That might be fine. But, like, for someone in an eating disorder, sometimes, like, they – get triggered by those things. Right. So And think, oh, maybe I should have to do yeah, that too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I would say probably just not commenting on appearance. Like mm-hmm. I guess you can compliment them in other ways that aren't appearance-based, but saying like things like you're looking really healthy, if someone's really in the grip of their eating disorder, that might be a negative thing to them. Yeah, like, true. If they're putting on weight. Their main thing is like I don't want to put on weight, so, so if people healthy, are saying that. yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's a fine line. I guess it's very individual, and I think that's why 
it is good to have a conversation if you know someone who has got a needing disorder, realising what they need from you. So, like, mm-hmm. if you see that they're uncomfortable in a situation being like, oh, did something I say upset you or what would you like to do on a day, like maybe not making it based around food if you're mm-hmm. going out or something like that, you know. Yeah. So what are some helpful tips that you would give to someone struggling with mental health or eating disorders right now? Well, in regards to overall mental health, I would say trying to reach out if you're feeling overwhelmed, um, if you sense something is wrong, I guess don't wait till it's too late Mm -hmm. because it's really hard to pick up the pieces once you, I guess you spiral down. Yeah. I guess it takes practice, but recognising those signs is really helpful as well. Um, You don't have to suffer in silence because really being proactive is better than reacting to a situation after it's too late. Um, In regards to eating disorders, I'd probably say, like, really try and broaden your surroundings um, and surround yourself with images of people like try not to I mean surround yourself with images of people that are contributing to the negative body image mm-hmm. so like if you're surrounding your I guess your Instagram feed with fitness influences or TikTok, or TikTok yeah, yeah. <laughs> um or if you just feel like your environment is just very controlled like my environment was very routine and very rigid and like try and initiate a bit of more spontaneity um or yeah change the environment if you can Mm -hmm. um sometimes it's a little bit hard but even if it means I'm following these accounts or using or who are using filters on setting unrealistic body standards of health and fitness um take a social media break yeah Yeah. definitely it's really not what you probably need right now so um because if you see all these things it just supports your eating disorders, like voice of you're not good enough or what have you. Um, and it becomes so much harder to build a life outside of this view. Um, and I guess from my experience, trust me, it's so much better when you're able to smile and laugh again because that Enjoy is... Enjoy life. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's really what my eating disorder took away from me. People think that when you are got to lose weight like there's this sort of rose colored glasses mm-hmm. um all your problems we fix yeah exactly yeah. i'll be happy like that girl's on social media seems really happy with her life when i lose weight i'll yeah. get a bikini exactly yeah. but it's just crazy it was the opposite for me when i was at my lowest weight i was my most unhappy and i lost so many things that i enjoyed because I was just cold all the time. I was tired. I really couldn't laugh or cry. I was just numb. Mm -hmm. All I could think about was food and exercise and my routine. Like, I had no libido. Yeah. Um, So it really affected my relationships, my friendships, my career, you know, because it just, yeah, it took over. And it's really hard, I guess, to sort of say that to some people because – they're like, but this is my life. Like, I don't see anything other than it. But if you cut it off and you create a different 
life for yourself, like maybe planning goals or like mm-hmm. where you see yourself outside of your eating disorder, like what other things that before that came along really brought you joy. Yeah. Then the you can realize that you do have other things that make you you, other yeah. than just not what, just your weight, yeah, exactly. or your body image, exactly. So yeah, that was key for me. Um, getting help was being able to build a life that I wanted outside of like my routine because I just for so long thought that all I was living for was you know waking up and doing that routine, but it's like I had so many other things to live for. Yeah. So thank you so much, Maddie, for sharing your story with us today. We really hope that this chat can help others out there who may be struggling. Please see the numbers on the screen for Australia's most popular helplines.